get it's that. really off the map still, you know, and that mm-hmm. kind of adds to the allure and, and charm of it, you know, to, to get disconnected and yeah. enjoy nature. the Budget-Minded Traveler podcast, your source for the everyday inspiration and practical tips that make international travel accessible to everyone. Hey guys, we're back for the rest of the conversation with Ford Quarterman from At Where's the Gringo, whom we first met back in episode 81. He just spent two and a half years driving from the US all the way down to Argentina on the Pan American Highway. He was in Colombia when we first chatted with him. And then he and I actually met up in person and spent about five weeks traveling through Patagonia together in December and January of this year, 2017, 2018. Um, So if you missed the last episode, check that out because in that we recap the last part of his journey down the Pan Am He gives a bunch of good advice and some reflections about what it felt like to end such an epic trip after so long. Um, And today we're continuing the conversation. Literally, I cut it off last time because it would have been way too long for one episode. Uh, So today we're talking about the part that Ford and I did together, which was the Carretera Austral in Chilean Patagonia. Um, And you're about to hear what that is all about in case you have no idea. So I'm going to pick it right back up uh, where we left off with Ford and I, and we are about to take you back to Patagonia with us. So here we go. We are going to get into how we did the Carretera Austral, and that means the Southern Highway. Um, It's a part of Chilean Patagonia that basically is a is a road that they have only recently built to connect towns that were previously only reachable by boat. Um, and now you can drive the whole thing, although there are required, uh, like obligatory, obligatory, is that the word? Um, nice. Ferries. Nice word. Oh, thanks. Along the way. Um, but you can do it in a car. And once you get down to the bottom, there is even a ferry you can take out the very end, but it's super expensive. So we didn't do it. We actually drove. We had to drive backtrack a little bit up and around into Argentina. But this is the most epic road trip possibly in the world. I mean, I haven't done all the road trips in the world, but I would think that any other road would be hard pressed to beat out the Carretera Austral no doubt. in terms of beauty and adventure and just wild, wild side. For the outdoor adventure lover, this is the ultimate, ultimate playground. Yep. And so let's talk about our adventure there. Well, absolutely. And in, in just a, well, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> After the first podcast we made, I listened to it and I was like, uh, it was a good podcast, but I just felt like I just said, well, absolutely, Jackie, like a hundred <laughs> like times too a, many. Like you're your own radio show host or something. Stop but, taking exactly. my job. What were you going to say? <laughs> what I was going to say is that you are absolutely correct in saying that it has to be one of the most epic stretches of, of road to road trip in the entire world. I mean, I haven't road tripped the entire world either, but I have driven now. The Pan American Highway from Georgia all the way to Ushuaia. And two summers ago, I road tripped through about 10 or 11 countries around Europe. So I had the kind of classic Euro road trip as well. Um, I haven't been everywhere, but I will say this stretch of the Carretera Austral in southern or in, in Patagonia in Chile, I mean, and the entire Pan American Highway, it might have been my favorite stretch. You know what I mean? It, it is. Been? I'm really you know, curious what might have been better than that. Uh, the northern deserts of Peru were up there. I'm just kidding. Mm. That's like one of the worst <laughs> places. Don't ever road trip through the northern deserts of Peru. Well, I guess you got to if you're going to do a trip, but just blow right on through there. But the Carretera Austral, I mean, we're talking fjords that look like they're in Norway, glaciers that look like they're in Antarctica, 
mountains, big green, uh, just jagged mountains and volcanoes like they're in Iceland. Uh, I mean, waterfalls. I mean, some of the vegetation we were, we'd be walking, we'd be going on hikes, uh, uh, through, through the forest. And we'd be looking around and be like, this isn't a forest. This looks like a tropical jungle. This looks like Costa Rica. Jackie and I would agree. Mm -hmm. Jackie and I have both spent a lot of time in Costa Rica and it's just a crazy. It's so crazy. It's a crazy place. You know, each, it seems like every 50 miles has its own microclimate and its own or even less than that weather system. It was so crazy. Every five miles. Yeah. yeah. And to put this into to context for you guys, if you have no idea what we're talking about, um, if you were to look at a globe, look at a map and go all the way to the bottom of South America, the lower, I mean, the bottom portion of Chile is what we're talking about. It starts at about 43 degrees latitude south. And that equivalent in the United States is going to be somewhere around Oregon and North. Okay. So it's it's way, way, way south. And it goes down. I mean, Ushuaia is... What 55? Is it? 50. Is it 55? So I think it's almost 55. But yeah. this is why it's so crazy to be way down there and experiencing a tropical jungle. I mean, literally tropical jungle, like everything from sweat just dripping off of you to vines and ferns. I mean, it's like you're in a... Yeah, moss and lichen growing yeah, everywhere. Yeah, it was, it was just like, so crazy to You almost expected that. monkeys to be jumping know, down here. I know, I mean, mm-hmm. and then And then while you're, while you're doing this, you're hiking and you're sweating in a tropical jungle. Your, your ultimate goal is to get to the viewpoint where you see the glacier, the, glacier. the hanging glacier. Mm-hmm. You remember? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's like, That's it's exactly crazy. You're in, it's like a glacier in Costa Rica. So if you can imagine yeah, yeah. the type of dichotomy, the type of diversity that you can find down there in the Carretera Austral, it's really unlike any other place I've ever been. And I think unlike any other place on earth. I I mean, I don't, I guess I don't know better, but I would have to agree. You know, like, I, I don't know. I've never been to New Zealand, for example. And I know that it's compared a lot with that, but... Um, there you go. But yeah, I... It changed so much. It was like going to so many different places, but all on the same road. So anyway, this road is about, what, 1,300 kilometers? This is about 800 miles long. Mm-hmm. Um, and it starts in Puerto Varas, Chile, or Puerto Montt. There's an airport yep. there, so you can fly there if you want to. And it goes down to a little town called Bio Higgins, which we didn't actually go to only because of the backtracking and the ferries and all of that. Um, but... I think we should, we, what? I was just going to say we did, we almost made it. We went all the way down to Tortel. Yeah. So we were probably, tortel. so we probably did like 90% of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Some, yeah. Something like that. We didn't do the final little stretch because there was no crossing over to Argentina. But uh, yeah, we pretty much did almost the whole thing. Yeah. And we we camped the whole way. We cooked all of our own food. I think we slept inside about four nights out of the whole three-week stretch. Most of our camping was wild camping. Um, there were a couple nights we stayed in a campground, but it was pre-season, so we didn't have to pay for it because it wasn't they weren't charging it. Um, so that was pretty nice. So we actually didn't pay, except for, I think, one hostel and one Airbnb and then maybe yep. one campsite in Coyhaique. We did pay. It was way cheaper for lodging than I expected, but it's because we, we wild camped everywhere, which is very normal down there. It's, uh, people yeah. do it everywhere. Um, Ultimate wild camping playground, just so many places to get off the road and set up your tent. Once again, so many places you can find on iOverlander. Yeah. So many places not on iOverlander as well, but, uh, just man, the best wild camping I've seen, on the, I mean, since the United States, you know what I mean? And when I say that, I don't know, throughout Latin America, it's not, wild camping isn't part, it's not in their DNA. It's not part of the lifestyle like it is in the United States with U.S. national parks and 
for us forest uh, forest uh, forestry land and blm land and all these places you know rest stops pull over and sleep on the southern um throughout a lot a lot in america they don't have that mentality um you can make it happen it's just a little more difficult to but here in the carretera austral it's like welcomed pull off the road set up your tent stay for a few days mm-hmm. you know it's it's re- it was really nice i loved it the one thing you need <laughs> is uh baby wipes <laughs> For sure, baby wipes. Break out those baby wipes for the baby wipe showers. We did a yeah. lot of that. Or um, a super high tolerance for cold water, you know? Yeah. Because that's the thing. It's like there's plenty of places to take those wild baths in the rivers and the waterfalls. But I mean, you were talking about glacial melt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Freezing. We actually did that once with biodegradable soap in a river. It was my first river bath. Do you remember that? It was like our first campsite. <laughs> it was like day two. We did a waterfall hike and it was one of those hot hikes. It was like tropical and we got down and um, it was still sunny out. So we decided to get in the river. (laughs) Yeah. And it was nice. It wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, yeah, it was freezing, you know, but it felt nice, didn't it? And uh, yeah, it was refreshing for sure. Yeah, that Um, was a good one. The other thing you definitely need if you're going to go without proper bathing and I would say, bring this with you, if at all possible, something for your feet or your shoes, because, oh my goodness, <laughs> we had some issues with the smell of the shoes. Um, what can you bring? Like odor, maybe some baby powder or something to put in your shoes to, to offer. A flame, a flame thrower to <laughs> a flame thrower. set them on fire and bury yeah. the ashes. Seriously, just... No. If you're doing this, bring something for the shoes. And like Yeah, absolutely. The bio, the baby wipes need to be an- antibacterial. They need to have alcohol yeah. in them so that they can actually kill the bacteria. Right. And it's it's not just not just something to clean your shoes or to like air them out, but bring an extra pair of shoes or like slippers or sandals and obviously with with wool socks. Uh, that you can slip on and, and walk around the campsite or wherever you're staying at the end of the day um, to let your feet air out and let your shoes air out before you get in the tent. Because if you're going straight from hiking boots to the sleeping bag, Mm-mm. then your tent is going to suffer. And so is your camping partner. And <laughs> I just want to publicly apologize to Jackie right now because I think I might have permanently burnt her nostril like her nostrils for life. Uh, those a couple times. I mean, we were coming off of like 12 hour hiking days or like even multiple day, like, uh, activities. And, you know, I'd take the shoes off and it was like, mm. I think the flowers just like immediately wilted around us. The birds scattered, like there was an earthquake coming. Not really, but you know, bring bring a pair of sandals you can slip into and uh, damn, let them let them hiking boots air out. You know, bring some bring something, some odor spray or yeah, for sure. Also, that was that was that's the end of my trip. I'm, I'm talking. I've been hiking in those things for two years, so they were just ready. I threw them away when I when I flew back. I just threw them right in the trash. You know what? I have replaced mine too. I threw mine away as soon as I got to Ecuador. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's rough. I mean, it's rough, but it's it's. It's totally worth it. I think if you can commit to just getting dirty and having an adventure and, you know, wild camping and just being free for a few weeks, do it because, uh, yeah, it took us three weeks, which I do think is, is a good amount of time, but it's just, I mean, it's worth it. It's really, really worth it. Someone asked, um, after I posted, this about, you know, what if, what if we wanted to not camp? Like, what if we wanted to stay in hotels? I thought about that and you would be so limited to these tiny little villages that are very few and far between. Um, You'd be so limited and you'd have to stay in the towns. And we hardly ever stayed in the towns. Um, The towns were not the attractions. And so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish that upon you if you're going all the way to the, to, if you're going all the way down there, um, really the best way to do it is camping. At least get a house on wheels if you if you don't feel comfortable in a tent, you know, rent an RV of some sort when you get down there, which you can do. There's plenty of rental companies 
Um, a lot of people were doing that. They have a lot mm-hmm. of, there's rental companies down there that have cars with like pop-up tents on the roof. Um, wicked, I mean, wicked camper. Wicked is a big campers one too. Uh, yep. They have vans that are converted and yeah. And we saw a lot of people doing that. So if you don't have your own vehicle, you could get something like that. I yeah. do not recommend or, hitchhiking, even though don't? there's a lot of people doing it. Were you just going to say that? Were yeah, I was going to say, if you don't have a car or the money to rent one, you get hitch. definitely hitchhike if you're if you're adventurous enough up for it. I, I haven't seen such a high concentration of hitchhikers as I did down there on there the whole Pan Am. There yeah, were a lot, it, but I don't know. I felt much better being able to say wow, what's this spot on the map? Let's go find it. You know, like when we got to go out to the beach because we had our own car and that beach or Futaleo Fu, for example, like these, these are both, um, diversions off the high, off the main highway. And I would consider them both must do's if you have your own vehicle. Futaleo Fu is towards Argentina and oh my goodness, the river there. Um, it's, it's, what was it? The, it was in the top five, I think rated, um, by National Geographic as one of the top rivers to raft in the whole world. Um, when we were there, it was actually the Futaleo Fu. Futaleo what? (laughs) Futaleo, Futaleo Fu? Futaleo, huh? Um, you remember how long it took me to start pronouncing that right? Yeah. And now everyone's listening like, what is she saying? I'll put a link to all, all the stuff is in the show notes. And you can always look at the the post about this too. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah the Futaleo Fu River, it was actually closed for to, to, to any watercraft while we were there because it was so high. Um, we... <laughs> Crazy water volume. Yeah. There was a class six rapid that we did a... Uh, what's it called? A Tyrolean Tyre. Traverse over. <laughs> ah, muy bien. You yeah, remember? I remembered it. Um, uh-huh. La Tirolesa. Yeah, and I... La Tirolesa. <laughs> that, Culo. <laughs> that was so scary. Uh, we had to traverse this rapid, literally right over the rapid. Like, we were with guides and they must think that this is fun for people. <laughs> I don't know. I think you enjoyed it, but I... Yeah. I did not. I didn't. I nope. Not really. Um, there was a hot tub waiting for us on the other side and food, and so you know that's what I needed to basically shout out. Myself. Shout out Futaleo Fu Adventure. Absolutely, yeah. We went to Futaleo Fu with a company called FutaleoFuAdventure dot com, um, <laughs> and they took us hiking onto like private land, and we stayed in the coolest places. Um, if you've ever wanted to stay in a real live Ewok village, dude, you got to go to Futaleofu because they have one that they built. It's like multiple levels of tree houses and walkways. And it's all up in the mountains in a private location on a lake, little lake with a wood-fired hot tub and... It was unbelievable. And steak and red wine. Ooh. Oh, yeah. And a frog symphony that we fell asleep to at night. <laughs> we slept it in was... like the top tur- turret of one of these. And they have sleeping bags for you. And you just like post up on one of the wooden floors. There's a roof yeah. over your head, but they're not walled. It's so cool. It was such a unique experience. It made all of my Ewok dreams come true. Absolutely. Absolutely. There was, was even a dog there we got to hang out with. Yeah, it was it was really nice. And um, you can only go to these places, though, if you go with that company. It was their own private land, yeah. their own private campamentos, like uh, camp sites they have set up. Um, but yeah, definitely a worthwhile uh, desafio or desafio. Um, how do you say diversion. desafio? <laughs> diversion, yeah. A little... Sh- a little uh, Detour. Oh, what's the word in detour. English? Detour. Detour. There detour. you go. Uh, <laughs> detour off of the Carretera Austral because it's one of the most beautiful rip blue rivers I've ever seen in my life, just surrounded yeah. by big green mountains and glacial-fed lakes and uh, totally worth going over there. So, Yeah, there are photos yeah. from all of this that we're talking about too on uh, my my post, which is at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com yeah. slash Patagonia Road Trip. 
I've never posted yeah. so much eye candy in one single post on my blog ever. It's like... You're welcome. I know. So Ford is sort of an amateur photographer, I'd say, with a sweet camera. And that was awesome to have so many real like good photos. Um, so most of them were taken yeah. by Ford. <laughs> Don't worry, I give you credit. Come on. That's true. It was my pleasure to take photos of you in this <laughs> just postcard worthy background. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, oh yeah. It was, I, I loved doing it. So yeah, y'all go check out her blog. Oh my gosh. Cause there is some just sweet photos on there. It wasn't hard to get good photos there. No, everything so, is beautiful there. Seriously. Every, yeah. around every corner. Futaleofu for sure. There was a beach that we went to called Raul Marin Balmaceda, which I think is very off the beaten path because it's about an hour off the main road and you have to take a cross a tiny little ferry um, to get there. But it's basically this little island um, mm-hmm. beach, sort of. Well, no, it is. And yeah, it's a little, it's a little port town yeah, on an island that has little, a beach. Yeah. And we mm-hmm. camped on the beach there, just straight up on the beach. There was no one else around. And in the distance, we could see glaciers um, and volcanoes. And for once, Patagonia Fjords. was... Yeah. And for once, we had no wind. And it was sunny. And it was unbelievably oh, beautiful. Man. We're like walking barefoot on a real sandy beach in Patagonia, Surrounded by glaciers. It was just, it was so surreal. So dolphins surreal. out in the water. Yeah, dolphins. <laughs> and you remember the drive out there? It was like uh, this twisting, winding, sandy road that twisted all the way out to the end of the point through just huge, huge bushes of what, what, what's that type of, what's that, uh, that flower, that yellow flower? Scotch broom, the yellow one? Yeah, the one that's remember? everywhere. Yeah, that's the invasive one. It's called Scotch Broom. Okay, right? well, that sound makes it sound like it's not as pretty as it I was. Know, it was so but pretty, it's so pretty. I know. Unfortunately, it is invasive, um, but I mean, it's so beautiful to look at. Yeah, and we were just driving through it. Yeah, it was it was a worthwhile detour for sure. Yeah, you wanted to yeah. stay for days out there, but we didn't. We didn't. Yeah. We went back. We had to, we ran out of salchicha. Had to go back and get some more. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we had a hanging glacier calling our name. Oh, yeah. I, Let's talk about that. That is, that's, that's like, it looks like heaven on earth. Like it didn't look real. It looked like Pandora, maybe, you know, like the hanging, weren't there like the floating mountains? Of, you know what I'm talking about in Avatar? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the floating exactly. mountains. Yeah. When they had like, waterfalls coming off of them and things like that's kind of what it reminds me of yeah y'all can see it it's the very first picture on jackie's blog post you scroll down and it's just this deep blue actually kind of bright blue glacier that's Mm -hmm. hanging off the side of this mountain and, and it's and it's melting into two and we had some debate about this how big the waterfalls were but we finally kind of verified online the waterfalls that are coming out of this glacier and just spilling down into this majestic valley are over a thousand feet tall. So so insane. You can imagine it and it's far off in the distance, but you get a good solid look at it, but it really just kind of plays tricks on your mind. Like you can't comprehend what you're seeing because the water is just falling out of this glacier and it's falling so slow Mm -hmm. out of a freaking (laughs) bright blue glacier. You got to at least look at this picture. If you don't go yourself, it's unbelievable. unbelievable. But would you say, I mean, it's obviously one of the highlights of the Carretera Australia, but would you say it's the, the must-see? I don't know. It's kind of hard to pick. I know it is. Know but you know what? If I have to pick one single image by itself, I think that this would be it. Yeah. The other thing that comes to mind is Cerro Castillo. But... Right. I And I can't really choose now that I thought about that. But this is... Pretty unreal. Mm-hmm. I think this probably does beat it. Like just as one, it, it, just one scene, one scene by yeah. itself. This is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Maybe not the must do activity because there's obviously so much more behind a picture. Uh, but maybe like the most awe inspiring, captivating still shot image you could you could have of of a destination on the Carretera Austral yeah. would would be 
Keilat, el ventisquero colgante en Parque Nacional Keilat. Keilat. It would be that. Yeah. yeah. So that's, oh, that's, no one's going to understand what we're saying. The, the names are kind of tricky. But ventisquero, we learned this. Ventisquero means, a gla- it means a glacier that's like hanging to the side of a cliff. Um, that's why they don't, they don't, the word in, in Spanish is, is a little different than, because they also have glaciar, but this isn't in glaciar. It's like ventisquero. They use ventisquero all over. It's not an, it's not a proper name. It's a name of the thing. Um, so ventisquero is a, is a glacier that's being like pushed over the edge of a cliff by the wind. That's what I learned. Yeah. That's yep. what I learned. Um, and colgante means hanging. And so this is ventisquero colgante, which just kind of literally means hanging glacier, but it's Keolat National Park. And so that's that's how you find this particular one. And there's notes for all of this in my blog post as well. Um, but yeah, absolutely. This is a must, a must, must do. Mind blowing to see in real life. We stayed up there for hours, just kind of just looking yep. at it and just kind of rubbing our eyes and open blinking and just it's like the the longer you look at it the crazier it gets so we'll just yeah we'll move on yeah (laughs) and it's only like a 45 minute hike to get up there yeah it's badass through a tropical forest (laughs) yeah again it's just super tropical Mm -hmm. any other must do's i mean so many you know that, that that's the thing um that's the thing about the carretera austral it's there's just one one thing after the other, one thing after the other. It's like the greatest hits all together, like all pushed together. And that's why there's so much buzz around the Carretera Austral. And that's why it's becoming such a bucket list activity and, and destination is just because it is this 1,300 mile stretch, or sorry, 1,300 kilometer stretch down into Patagonia, you know, about 800 miles or so. But every single day, there's something beautiful and crazy to see yeah. and different. Especially every if you love to hike. Day. Yeah. It, if it's you're all an outdoor hikes. lover. Yeah. If you're an outdoor lover. If you're not an outdoor lover, then what are you doing? You know, well, here's down- the thing. You could be an outdoor lover, but you might be running the, or biking the road. And then where's your energy to do all the extra hikes? You know, So it depends on how you're doing it. Because we met people who were doing it that way and they didn't do the hikes because they were expending their energy in other ways. So That's true. I want to say that uh, we haven't been giving a lot of details and I have detail, like details about everything that we did, including every campsite, um, even down to how much gas cost in places and times for park openings, um, routes, the map, everything is really super detailed in the post um, at the budgetmindedtraveler.com slash Patagonia road trip. So if you are interested in doing this, the post is going to be uh, your best resource for for you know the questions that you might be asking about how to actually do all of these things. And all of this will be linked to in the show notes as well. Okay, so after that national park, we went to Coyhaique and I really, really liked Coyhaique. Coyhaique is the largest town on the whole Carretera Austral. So I think it's about 50,000 people and it's a really good opportunity to kind of recoup, restock, regroup. Um, That's where we picked up Ford's brother and his girlfriend. Um, And we stayed there for a few days actually to get our laundry done and... uh, we found a cerveceria there and had some beer mm-hmm. and just kind of chilled. It got some work done. So um, Coyhaique is a good stopping point in the middle. And there is an airport there, Balmaceda. And Sky Airline, which is Chile's cheap airline, they fly there. So it's actually pretty accessible as well. And there is a good campsite there called El Camping that uh, is really close to the brewery that uh, was actually pretty good. So Yeah, it was that. pretty cool. Then from Koyaiki South, yeah, the landscape drastically changes. Drastically. It's so it's so crazy because Koyaiki is like you look on the map and it it's pretty much geographically the halfway point mm-hmm. of the Carretera Austral, and it's so crazy because it's like someone drew an imaginary line through the earth and was like, okay, from here south, the landscape is going to be turn more dry and more arid and more conifer trees. And less tropical, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, like 
It's like just so fast. With the snap of your finger and uh, all the tropical stuff we're talking about, uh, looks like Costa Rica, you know, lichen and moss. Every, that's pretty much all on the northern half mm-hmm. of the Carretera Austral. There's a few places that are kind of more like tropical on the southern half, but they're few and far between. And it's still beautiful. It's it's extremely beautiful, the southern half. It's just in a beautiful and a more different way. You remember we were going to pick my brother up and you're like, I feel like I'm back in Montana. Oh yeah. And I loved it. It was so mm-hmm. cool. It was just wide open spaces. Um, the trees were a lot different. There were wildflowers everywhere. Do you remember everywhere. all the lupins? Yep. Um, it was so beautiful. I really loved it. And it's funny because you, I think I liked it better, like in the arid, a little bit drier, like it felt a little more comfortable and you liked the tropical better. (laughs) Apparently you like sweating a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It was just hot and tropical. It really was, but it did. We also had a really good weather. It's worth mentioning that we met a guy uh, actually on the road. We pulled over for a little pee break. (laughs) little snapshot into the real Carretera yeah. Austral, real, real road trip life. I mean, you got to, yeah. this is desolate, desolate area. There's, you go miles and miles and miles with seeing, without seeing a bathroom. You know, you got to get, if you, you go down to the Carretera Austral, you got to be the type of person who's cool. If you're a woman uh, with pulling over and peeing on the side of the road, you yeah, know, absolutely. and um, we were doing just that and a guy pulled over. He was like, Hey, I saw the Georgia license plates. You guys from the United States. And he was another American guy who he was from Montana. Uh, he's from Montana of so all places. Yeah. Random. He was from like and an hour away from where I'm from. Exactly. And so that you and him kind of vibed out about Montana for a bit, but you remember what he told us? He said, man, you guys picked a good time. It's been like the sunniest, most beautiful December in history down here. Mm-hmm. And it's cause we were there. Not, uh, yeah. We brought the sunshine and, um, you know, we can't speak, how it normally is, but I guess he can, you know, he's been down there for probably six or seven years. And I think we really lucked out with good weather. Oh yeah. And it makes all the difference. In fact, a few days after we, in a few days after we had gone through, um, the Futaleofu area, there was actually a really bad mudslide that closed the road for several days. Um, and quite tragic. uh, very Actually. tragic. Yeah, it was very sad. It did more than close the roads. It, it, it pretty much devastated uh, a whole town. But the other couple that we had mentioned from California, they actually got stuck and had to drive all the way around into Argentina and miss, I think it was about, what did they say, 500 kilometers that they had to drive around? Oh, because of a, a matter of, of about 500 meters probably that was closed on the road. But... Yeah, so we we really did, and we were ahead of that. Thank God. Um, so we really did get lucky with the weather, but that's it does make a big difference because we faced a lot of rain in the southern half, and uh, man, it changes everything. It really does. Yep. Um, but I think my favorite thing coming out of Coyhaique was for sure Cerro Castillo, and I would say this is an absolute must do. It is for sure. a huge. It's like a well, it's it's called Castle. Castle Mountain. <laughs> and it looks like a castle. And there's glaciers and there's a laguna up there. Um, it, there's like a 10-mile hike you can do. Man, that was gorgeous. Great day hike. Any hikers out there must see, must do. It, it's 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 hard. You can't describe what this mountain looks. I mean, I guess you can when you say it looks like a castle. But if you can imagine just more than you can count towers and spires just mm-hmm. shooting up out of this mountain, it it's prototypical Patagonia and uh, man, it was probably the biggest surprise to us, right? On the trip. It may have been. Yeah. We just hadn't really heard of it. We hadn't really heard of this mountain until uh, we started. And uh, it's one of those mountains that shoot, I don't, I don't know why it's not on postcards everywhere. I know. In fact, I remember calling it Patagonia's best kept secret because I'd Mm -hmm. never heard of it before and I don't understand why it's incredible. I feel like it would be the same kind of destination as Torres Alpine or Fitzroy, but it's not. There's no one there. We did that hike by ourselves. It was amazing. Yeah. 
the first day my brother was there. Shout out, baby bro. Shout out at Casey Quarterman. <laughs> <laughs> so then we headed south, you know, and marble uh, caves. the marble caves. Yeah. And that's something that you've probably seen Maybe pictures of. It's pop- heard of it. Yeah. It's popping up all over Instagram. And, uh, do you have more of a scientific explanation of how they're formed? It's something with the water and the wind, some sort of erosion thing. I don't. And, uh, I don't. Yeah. I don't. But and it's on the lake, General Carrera, as uh, Neil Drake. Shout out Neil Drake at Neil Drake. Drake with two L's. <laughs> uh-huh, with two L's. Uh, what? That's how he pronounces it. General Carrera. And the Carretera uh, Austral. The Carretera Austral. <laughs> Hugs, Neil. <laughs> Hugs, Neil. Miss you, buddy. Shout out Hurley. Hope Hurley's doing all right. Hurley His did. little dog. Um, and uh, it's unfortunately the lake that Doug Tompkins died on two years ago, the founder of the North Face, who, hey, we ha- we can't do this podcast without, without mentioning him. Mm-hmm. Just a week or two ago, mm-hmm. um, the Tompkins Conservation, which is his uh, conservation efforts, they partnered with the government of Chile, and they conserved and donated and uh, donated and conserved 10 million acres, which is roughly the size of Switzerland, of Chilean Patagonia, and they made six new national parks and expanded three existing ones for the enjoyment of the wildlife and nature lovers forever, and. Uh, that was really cool because it was like a joint effort between the Chilean government and some American businessmen, philanthropists. And um, uh, he unfortunately died in a kayaking accident on this lake two years ago. But you know what? His dream came true. And thanks, Doug. Thanks, Chris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his Chris, wife. His wife is still heading it up and seen to all of this amazingness that's happening down there. And we, yep. uh, we, camped in a couple of different campgrounds that exist because of Tompkins conservation mm-hmm. now. And they were gorgeous, just beautiful mm-hmm. places. Um, in their national parks. Yeah. Pumalin national park. We went and the Cerro Castillo, Cerro Castillo, which we were just talking about is now a national park. Uh, and these caves, this, these caves aren't a national park, but they're obviously federally conserved. Um, and there I must see on that lake that you can take a little boat trip out there. I think it was what, ten dollars each or something? Mm-hmm. Ten thousand pesos each. I can't okay. remember what that is now. It's like seventeen dollars or something. Totally worth it though. This lake is just blue, aquamarine, transparent water. Unfortunately, too cold to swim and, and cold enough to take Doug Tompkins' life because mm-hmm. he capsized in a kayaking trip. Um but you guys don't worry. It all has to do with weather and they won't run trips if the weather is too bad. So if you can go on the trip, then don't worry about the weather because they know they know how, how it works better than we do. So yeah, because we were a little we were a little sketched out that day. The weather was I mean, it was windy and there were some pretty big waves, but the port was open and they were saying, you know, as long as they don't close the port, we're good to go. And so they ran our trip. We just went on a little boat with a bunch of other people and it was really fun. Uh, it was really beautiful. And it only took an hour or something. It wasn't that long. So that was definitely worth it if you're going to be passing through there anyway. So right. then from there, we went to... We went to we went to Exploradores Glacier. And I would say that's not worth it. I would say that's something you can skip for sure. Um, only because if you're going to see glaciers in Patagonia, you're going to see way more impressive glaciers than Exploradores. But... The night that we went up there, it was piss pouring rain and we ended up finding this old abandoned... Okay, because of iOverlander, actually, we knew about it. Um, We found this abandoned shack on the side of the road and we moved into it for the night. And that was actually a highlight, but that would not have happened if it weren't for the rain and if we weren't going to that glacier. And so, you know, you make the adventure out of what you have. But I would say if you're not planning to camp up there because it's up a canyon then I, I think you could skip it. I don't know. I mean, if, if you're pressed on time, you could skip it. We had time, so we did it. Yeah, the actual, I will say this, the actual glacier, you're right, wasn't that impressive. But the drive out there, like you said, up that canyon, mm-hmm. I mean, we 
didn't have the best weather, so it was kind of cloudy. But even so, you could tell that the drive was just spectacular. It was through this canyon, and it's at the start of the southern – is it the northern or the southern Patagonian ice field? The southern Patagonian ice field. Which is the third biggest uh, The third ice largest mass. mass of ice in the world uh-huh. after our Antarctica and Greenland. Greenland. Yeah, and – so the tops of all the mountains were just covered in glaciers and there was thousands of waterfalls spilling down into this valley. Yeah, and unbelievable. That, that to me was, was, what, was what made that little side detour, not the glacier, but the drive out there was just absolutely beautiful. Yeah, the waterfalls really were amazing. After that was Cochrane and basically Tortel. So that was the point where we had to figure out how we were going to make our crossing. And there's a police station in Cochrane that we were able to go and ask um, about the border crossings uh, right. to see what was open because we had our car. And so it was important for us to know where we were could we could go. And by that point, it was already north of us where we had to go. So we spent a couple more days just going down to Tortel, which is a really cool little village that's entirely built on um, boardwalks. Like the whole mm-hmm. town is connected by boardwalks. You drive in and you have to park and get out. And it's really cute. Like the whole place, it's just like quaint, like picturesque. And we walked along these boardwalks for two miles before we reached the end and turned around. Yeah, really, really unique little fishing town down there. I've never seen any place like it. There's, yeah, all, all on these stilted boardwalks with houses built on top of them and Different, different from any anything else on the Carreteros Valley, and definitely, mm-hmm. definitely worth a stop too. Yeah. And then we camped on the Rio Baker that night, which is still flowing <laughs> and not dammed. Patagonia sin represas. Yeah, and then we drove into. We had to drive back up, and we went to Parque Patagonia, which is now a national park. Right? They mm-hmm. just did it. Yeah. Um, it wasn't when we were there. It was just Parque just launched, Patagonia, huh? and now it's that's so cool. Uh, and we camped there and we did an amazing hike there. Our last one on the way out. Yep. And then we crossed over at Paso Roayos into Argentina. And we drove down to the southern, uh, down to Chalten and to the southern Patagonian ice field. I think I said, did we say southern before? Because that the other no, one? No, Yeah, I think it was the northern yeah, it, it so Exploradores is part of the northern Patagonian ice field and the southern Patagonian ice field is the big one. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, so three weeks on the Carretera Austral. Yeah, and um, like you said, that that seems to be kind of like the perfect time frame to do, to see pretty much all of it. And once again, we didn't go all the way down to Vio Higgins. Can't speak as to what that place is like. I heard it's pretty cool. But I think Tortel is probably cooler. And uh, once again, we had to turn north to cross the border. Uh, we could have spent a month, I think, and done it more thoroughly, but we were pretty satisfied with three weeks. Mm-hmm. I was really, really happy with it. And um, another thing to note is that most of this area is removed from cellular service. We did not have cell signal. Um, a lot of the towns did not have Wi-Fi. Like they didn't even have Wi-Fi at any of the places. Um, And so it was only every few days really that we were able to connect with uh, friends and family, let everybody know that we were fine. I mean, we were fine, but we were very, very much off grid. Um, And so you need to be prepared for that as best you can if you're going to be in that region. Um, Yeah. I mean, Chalten, <laughs> in the past, Chalten to me is like being off grid. And I was like, wow, Wi-Fi, you know, like we're back, <laughs> back in civilization right. in this teeny town in Argentina. Oh, yeah, it's, it's really off the map still, you know, and that mm-hmm. kind of adds to the allure and, and charm of it, you know, to to get disconnected and yeah. enjoy nature. It's really, really, really a part of the beauty of it. No doubt. There's nothing else going on down there except for what you see around you. There's nowhere else to be except in the present moment because you don't have a choice. It's just where you are. There's no connection to the outside world. You just have nature and whoever you're with. So make sure you pick good travel buddies. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Pick a good travel buddies because you will be 
in tight Did quarters. Did I mention that Ford and I didn't know each other before we went on this trip? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. you get to know you get to know someone real fast when you're when you're road tripping and camping and you know making decisions and hiking and just being in each other's presence twenty four seven for you know three weeks. Sure. Yeah, exactly. So, um, luckily, I think it was actually really good in the end. <laughs> And uh, Not, and there were four of us for most of most of the way, which is crazy yeah. to have four people in a packed environment and to really have it go so well. It was good. It was a positive experience. Yeah, it was it was inevitable that we were going to butt heads from at least once or twice. You know, going in, both of us have pretty strong personalities, and being, I mean, going from not knowing each other to twenty four seven right next to you at all times. And it's a lot of work. You got to pull your weight, you know, and there's a lot of work to do. I mean, we were cooking and setting up and tearing down camp every single day. And so, you know, there's, be prepared to, it's, it is tough work, but it's very rewarding at the same time. So I'm much. really glad that we did. Yeah, it. definitely worth it. Definitely worth it. And solidified our friendship. We definitely got to know each other in hyperspeed. And, uh, man, we didn't know each other going into it, but we had a pretty good idea that we were going to get along and, you know, we're both outdoor lovers, love hiking, love camping, love the great outdoors. So you were a really good travel companion and we both speak Spanish. So we got ourselves into some cool opportunities, cool situations, speaking Spanish and meeting local families and kids. And, oh my gosh, I have to tell the story. I've got to tell that story real quick. That That's so, so true because I don't think that this would have happened if we didn't both speak Spanish the way that we do. But the first day, it was the first day that we started this trip. We took, we took one ferry and then we had to wait. Um, we had to camp and, and catch a ferry the next morning. And so we were kind of stuck in this one place. Um, and we decided to take a little drive just to kind of scope out the area and see where we were. And um, on the way down, we had we had seen a soccer field. And I remember saying like, oh, let's go camp on the soccer field. You know, like, wouldn't it be so cool if a bunch of people just showed up, we could just play soccer because we both love to play soccer. And um, so we're driving down this road and we, and we just decide to pull over because the view is just amazing. We just stop. And we, you know, pull out the bottle of wine and we're like, okay, the sun is still up, you know, like we still have some exploring to do to figure out where we're going to put a tent tonight. But all of a sudden this soccer ball rolls down to our car. It just rolls to us out of nowhere. And we look up and these little kids like come running after it. And this dog, do you remember the dog? Bernardo. Bernardo. He's so, he was like this big, white, fluffy, amazing dog. And these kids asked us if we wanted to play soccer. We're both like, yes, we want to play soccer. And so we made friends with these little kids. And before we know it, they're taking us down. We played soccer for probably like an hour. And then they took us down to the beach right in front of their house and like treated us to a private seafood buffet. Actually, I did not eat any of it. I was just afraid that I was like going to get sick, but Ford was not afraid at all. I think you ate like an entire, I don't even know, dinner of, what, you, what were they? They were, the piure was the big ones. They were mussels. Um, mussels and clams and shell and like. Just everything. I, I don't, I don't know how to say it in English. I don't even remember half the names in Spanish, but it was like these rock, like, I guess the majority of them would be mussels, but they're all hidden in the rocks, mm-hmm. like on the shoreline. And these little kids knew how to find them and harvest them and pull them out of the shells. And they just started sucking them down like uh, a dozen oysters mm-hmm. at the at the seafood buffet. And I was like, okay. And they started pulling them out and giving them to me. And I, I mean, I filled up on fresh mm-hmm. shellfish or seafood or whatever you want to call it down there in the shorelines. Yeah. And Probably for they, like at least half an hour, 45 minutes, we were down there and... We go back up and the kids told us that we could camp in the field that was across from their house. And so that was sweet. And they leave. And like 30 seconds later, they come running back down and they're inviting us to go to dinner. And so mm-hmm. we got to... At their parents' house. Yeah, with their parents. They were like cousins and friends. So there was like a whole bunch of family members. And we got to go eat dinner in the house of these parents. They had... 
chicken and potatoes and wine and rice and salad. And I mean, not a word, not even close to a word of English um, was spoken, you know, and we were just chatting with them and able to share that with them. And it was so special. It was such a neat experience. Um, And that would have been so different if you or I had not been, had not spoken Spanish. I don't know if it would have even happened the same way, you know, but it oh, was yeah, def- such definitely an not. experience. And yeah, that was, was day really one. Cool. We were so amazed. We were, I mean, both of us just look at each other like, this is day one and it's already starting out like this. Like, this is going to be a good adventure. And it really kind of set the, it set the bar for the rest of the, it set the pace for the rest of the way. I mean, that was, yeah, it was, it was one of those cultural immersion moments that, you know, speaking the local language really opened the doors, uh, for us on. And that was day one and that set the tone. And you know what? Those people actually have a restaurant right there and it's at the second ferry and the notes are in the blog post. And so if you guys want to go find them and meet them and let them cook for you, you actually can do that. So check out the blog post for that because it's on day one. It's right there. Tell them, tell them Jackie and Ford said hello. Yeah. So yeah, so a, knowledge, cool. a knowledge of Spanish would absolutely help along the way. No doubt. Any other tips you think we should share about anybody considering doing the Carretera Austral? Let's remind them of the apps. iOverlander, Maps.me, Camping The Pan American. Pan American, yeah. The Pan American Travelers Association. And, and the main the main tip would be, you know, if you got the the funds to do it, I mean, once again, if you're not overlanding in general down the Pan American Highway with your own car, if you have the funds to do it, this really is the place to splurge a little bit and rent a car, maybe rent a wicked camper, um, because this is the ultimate road trip destination. This is the ultimate outdoor lovers playground that will be unlocked if you have your own set of wheels. Uh, but that being said, if you don't, you should not be discouraged from doing it. I don't think you'd get the full total experience, not having your own wheels. But once again, I did see more hitchhikers here on this part of the Pan American Highway than anywhere else. It's a very safe place to hitchhike, and it's a great place to meet other hitchhikers. We picked up some hitchhikers, and uh, they had met hitchhiking just a few days before, and we would pass groups of four, five, six hitchhikers that surely they were solo travelers or they were traveling in pairs and couples that had just met on the way. And, um, you can certainly do it. You'd have to have a little, be more flexible with your time and a little more flexible with your route. You know, we picked up some people who were going North, but we picked them up and we took them South because they had been on the side of the road for like a few hours and, and they were in more of a rural area. So we actually took them South so they could go to a bigger town to improve their chances of finding a ride North. But that's all part of the adventure. Um, you definitely have to have your own camping gear though. You have to have camping gear. You have to have a little, uh, backpacking stove if you want to, you know, do the Carretera Austral that way. So yeah, camping gear and all of the waterproof gear. Yeah. All waterproof clothing, waterproof, yep. everything. This was the first time that I, I mean, I've been, I've spent a lot of time in Patagonia in the last couple of years. And on this last trip, just this last four months that I've been there, was the first time that I finally, (laughs) I take back everything I've ever said about not needing hiking boots in Patagonia. I just, I take it back. I wish that I hadn't done it. It had never, it had never been an issue for me until this trip, but we hit more rain and wind and just mud than I've ever experienced in Patagonia before. During the same times of year even. And it's just, I mean, it's so unpredictable. They say you get four seasons in one day. It's very true. Um, you need to have the gear and warm sleeping, warm sleeping bags too. I got really yeah. lucky. And, uh, there was someone in our hostel in Puerto Varas right before we started that was actually selling her sleeping bag. She had just spent like two weeks using it. And so I bought it from her and I was very happy with that decision because it was a warm one. Um, but yeah, you need to stay warm for sure and have 
have clothes to be able to change into, you know, dry mm-hmm. and then all of the wet um, waterproof gear. Yeah, no, no denim, no normal civilian clothes. You, it's very important you have uh, outdoor gear, dry, uh, fast. Gear. Yeah, technical gear, fast drying clothes. Obviously, you have to have a solid rain shell, pants and jacket on the outside. But it's important you have. If you can have down jackets and stuff like that. Just make in down sleeping bags, just, you know, make sure you try to keep them dry and, and quick drying gear, because this is, like you said, the part of Patagonia that they write stories about with the four seasons in one day, the Chilean side. If you look at yeah. the map, the Argentinian side, if you look at the map, you can see it on the Chilean side, it's all green on the, or obviously if you look at a satellite image, you can see this. And on the Argentinian side, the Eastern side, it's mostly dry. And that's because the Andes mountains really separate this, uh, this weather system almost right down to the, to the international border. Mm -hmm. So, and it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference with the weather. And it also makes a big difference with the terrain. You know, that's what we're talking about. The, the, the tropical forests and all of the, the crazy trees and stuff. I mean, uh, that's what you're going to find on the Chilean side. And, you know, it's worth rolling the dice on the weather. Yeah. It's chilly and chilly for sure. Also though, um, sunscreen because there's, it's, it's that part of the, there's like a hole in the ozone layer down there and it's, you burn, you burn yeah. really fast. And so mm-hmm. you need lots of sunscreen and you need to reapply often. So remember sunscreen, like 50, like the good stuff yeah. as well. Some. Some zinc for the face wouldn't be a bad idea. And definitely do not forget bug spray, bug repellent, because, man, we went to some places, particularly Futaleofu, where the bugs, the horse flies were just brutal. Man, it was like a constant battle one one day that we were just just an, an, a nonstop onslaught of, uh, of horse flies. And, you know, that sounds pretty repulsive. That sounds pretty bad but i mean once again it shouldn't discourage you guys from going with a little bit of bug spray you'll be just fine yeah um, did we mention buy wine while you're done buy wine oh seriously though stock up before you get down okay if you have room in your car buy all the bottles because <laughs> you will drink <laughs> all the bottles all. um also cash free yep. cash ford had the unfortunate experience of getting his atm card eaten by an ATM in Puerto Varas right before we started. And so we survived on what cash I had because a lot of places down there do not accept credit card. I mean, don't expect to use your credit card like at all. Uh, Use cash down there. So just make sure you have the cash, Chilean cash. Oh, oh, that's another good point is if you are going to be staying at any lodgings in Chile, um, you know, that's not wild camping. You don't have to pay the tax if you pay with US dollars. So bring U.S. dollars. Have lots of U.S. dollars stashed with you. Uh, we ran out. They were like gold down there. Um, so have U.S. U.S. cash to pay for any nights that you want to spend in hostels or hotels because you will. It's way. It's cheaper. It's a lot cheaper. It's a nineteen percent tax um, that they tax on uh, accommodation. Accommodation, and that happens yeah. in Chile and in Argentina. Um, so for both, you want to bring lots of U.S. U.S. cash. Yeah, unfortunately, my debit card was eaten, but fortunately, I had a sugar mama to make sure I survived. Thank you, Jackie. You're welcome. I think I still owe you some money. Sure, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think that that's. I mean, I think we did a pretty good job. That was an epic, Indeed. epic trip. Three weeks in Chile and two weeks in in uh, in Argentina. Yeah. A couple of days in Bariloche and yep. more than a week in El Chalten and El Calafate. It was Christmas, I mean, New Year's, my birthday, all the things. Yeah. Yeah. Had a action packed five weeks yeah. together here with old traveling Jackie. That's right. Where's with and where's the gringo? <laughs> That's <laughs> right. The end of where's the gringo's trip. So crazy. Yeah, cool. the, the end of a two year journey. I had a little bit more to get down to Ushuaia, but this was yeah. by all means the beginning of the end. And man, what a way to go out. This is, mm, it's definitely. almost like I was telling Jackie, it's almost like 
the Pan American Highway saves the best for last. Mm. It's uh, there's so many amazing places all the way down, and you know I went through 15 countries, uh, 35,000 miles, but I'll never forget these couple weeks and what thousand or two thousand miles we spent down the Carretera Austral and down in uh, uh, Pat- Argentinian Patagonia. It's man, it just the farther south you go, the better it gets, and mm-hmm. you guys cannot miss this part. Anything else, or do we pretty no. much cover it? I think that's good. You know, if you guys have questions, um, you can always comment on the show notes page, or go ahead and comment on the actual post page that has all the details about about the Carretera Austral. Um, there's a lot of details on there again about our trip and what we did. So. It maybe can answer mm-hmm. some questions for you if you're thinking about doing it on your own. Otherwise, feel free to to comment and uh, we'll try and help you out if you guys are going to be doing this. Um, I really encourage you to go. It's it's just it's I mean it's it's not it's for sure off the beaten path. You know, it's way down there, um, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Jackie's got her blog and her podcast, and and then you know you can head on over to Instagram. Uh, and see a lot more pictures uh, and stories mm-hmm. um, that we've already published and that we'll continue to publish. I, for one, have many, many more stories and photos and videos as well still coming from Carretera Austral, still coming from Patagonia. And you can find us over at, at Traveling Jackie, and I am at Where's the Gringo. So y'all go check that out. Lots of good stuff over there. Yeah. Thank you for making time to recap this awesome, awesome, truly incredible journey with me um, and for, you know, making it happen with your truck. And I'm glad that it ended well for you and that you're finally getting some chance to rest after two and a half years and wish you the best going forward. Yeah, absolutely. See you Thanks. out on the road somewhere again sometime i'm sure i'm sure we'll bump into each other somewhere down the line in some other exotic far away land thanks for uh having me again on your sweet podcast and yeah thanks for joining up for part of the trip and for a truly epic unforgettable part of the trip that uh we made some lifelong memories on and Mm -hmm. you were an awesome road trip companion if anyone ever is thinking about coming on one of these traveling jockey led expeditions, one of these uh, group trips that she does. I'm telling you guys, you know, you might only know her through her voice and through her, you know, her podcast and her blog posts. But I can tell you after meeting her and, and traveling with her with some very demanding and intense situations, I can tell you this girl is the real deal. And man, I can only imagine how cool her her traveling jockey led trips are. So if you guys are on the fence about that, don't hesitate in booking one because she's the real deal, man. She speaks fluent Spanish. She speaks fluent multiple languages, and she's a self starter and a independent person, and and really knows what it takes to make a good trip happen. So you guys make it happen. Thank you, Ford. That's so nice of you. Absolutely. My pleasure. All right. Thanks uh, so much for your time. No problem. Thanks a lot, Jackie. I appreciate it. Have fun in Europe learning French. And uh, we'll we'll catch you on the flip side. Au revoir. I don't know how to say that. I think that was supposed to be like au revoir. I can't say it either. (laughs) That's why I'm going to French school. (laughs) All right, Jackie. We'll talk to you next time. Okay. All right. Thanks for sticking with us for that whole thing. I know that Ford and I can certainly talk. Um, I hope that was inspiring and maybe imaginative for you. I feel like we kind of took you with us as we relived our experience down there. And I also hope it was helpful if by any chance you're thinking about going to the Carretera Austral yourself someday. Um, remember you can find all the things that we mentioned today in the show notes at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 89, but all the photos and stories and tips and details about our trip is in a big giant blog post at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com 
patreon.com slash Patagonia Road Trip. So go check that out for even more if you love what you heard today. And go look at those photos. They really are amazing. Um, Also, I'm going to add a video to the show notes page. It's a video that Ford took of me crossing that crazy rapid that we talked about in Futaleo Fu. So if you're trying to figure out what that must have looked like, go watch the video. It's intense. Um, Lastly, I just want to remind you, Ford did an excellent little promo for me and my group trips there. It was really nice of him. If you are interested in traveling with me, my group trips truly are... I'm going to say it. Magical. They really are. They are my absolute favorite new way to travel. I love getting to meet you guys in person and showing you places that have changed me. Um, I do group adventures and I've also started doing women's adventure retreats. Uh, We just did our first one in Ecuador and it was incredible. So get on the list to stay informed about all upcoming trips that I'm hosting. You can find that list and all the info about all my group trips at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash trips. Okay, so we have a fun series coming up next about alternative modes of transportation in travel. And that carries a special story with it. So keep your ears open for that. And for now, I am signing out from... I was going to say Patagonia for the sake of this episode, but I'm actually in one of my other favorite absolute loves right now, um, Italy. Signing out for now from Italy. Travel safe, everybody. Talk soon.